Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Well, everybody, it's great to see you today. And before we look to the Word, I wonder if you'd join me. We're going to pray for a couple of needs. Is that cool? See, every week when we gather, we, we want to be honoring to God certainly in the way we worship, the way we look to the Word. But one of the ways we honor God is by trusting Him with our needs. Isn't that cool? Is that we can trust God with what we have need for, and to God, that sounds like honor. Like when we ask God for something, it doesn't sound like uh, a lack of gratitude. It actually sounds like honor. Because this is the way you show me that you trust me. Just keep on trusting me and and continue to have dependence. So we're going to bring a couple of, of needs to God today. In fact, uh, we have we have cards, and on the way out today, maybe you say it's a little connect card. On one side it says praise, on the other side it says prayer. And there are people every week who are filling out needs for like prayer needs they have that we can continue to press in and pray together. And then other people who are putting needs of, of praise, like, hey, I just got to give God a shout out. And so when we gather, we like to pray together. And so today we're going to pray for a couple of things really specifically. And uh, I'd love for you to join your faith with me. There's power actually in us coming together in prayer, which is cool. The Bible talks about a power in agreement. How many people, have you ever, have you ever been in like a long-term disagreement with someone? It's pretty fragile, right? If someone looks to the person beside you, don't do that here. No elbows. Okay. Have you been though in a lot, like there's just a lack of alignment, a lack of agreement, and you feel like there's a fragileness to everything that you approach. But the Bible says there's power in agreement. In fact, God says this, where two or more come together, I'm there with them. Like, I'm in this mix too. I don't want to miss a good party. I get right in there when two or more come together in unity. So we're going to pray together today and uh, share in some agreement. Sound good? Okay, two things I want to pray for, and certainly there might be other needs as well. But uh, one is that today, for the very first time, our uh, vivid Toronto location is gathering. Today, first time. We've, we've been talking, it's exciting, it's exciting. So we, we've been planning for this for over a year now. We've been talking about this publicly for about nine months, and all of that time we've been looking for a, a place to meet, a venue that we can call home. Well, last night uh, I was on a FaceTime with Pastor Aaron and Dana. It was about 10 p.m. their time as they were there getting the, the place set up today. They're going to be meeting at 4 p.m., so it's almost like in about an hour. They're going to be meeting, gathering for the first time, a preview service. And so we want to pray that God would do great things. Can we do that together? Yeah, can we do that? I'm going to ask, uh, here's what I'm going to do. Esteban, can you pull out your phone real quick? Why don't we just take, take a little video, and you can send this to Pastor Aaron. And everyone in the room, if you would, stand up with me. Get up on your feet. We're just going to extend a hand over this way towards this, this phone. It's kind of a unity moment. Hey, we've had Pastor Aaron and Dana here. We've prayed for them. We've been there to pray. We're going to keep on being people of prayer. But today we just want to take a moment and pray together for the, the establishment, the beginning uh, of great things in Toronto. Can we do that? Now, this would be a weird video. It, listen, it's a weird video. If it's just my voice in the background and everyone doing this. <laughs> but it, it's, it's 
way more encouraging if you actually join me in prayer, okay? So wherever you are, why don't you, you pray along with me? God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we are excited and passionate about the things that you're doing in your church. I pray right now for Pastor Aaron and for Dana, for the team as they lead worship today, as they open the word today. I thank you for the Salvation Army on 789 Dover Court. I pray that they would be blessed in everything they set their hand to as they serve that city. And Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have as Vivid Church to be a part of what you're doing in the city of Toronto, to be a part of reflecting the light of Jesus' life for all to see. I pray today, as we begin in these preview services, that there would be a, an outpouring of salvation in that place, even as we're working through systems, that you would break through and meet with us and speak to us and open up the word to us. I pray that there'd be power in the preaching of the word and that there would be conviction in the house for a freedom that is ahead. I thank you, Jesus, right now for Doug and his whole team at the Salvation Army. I pray that they would be blessed by extension of us being in their space, that there would be a unity and a coming together and a blessing. Lord, we even pray for uh, Sonder Cafe next door where we do all of our gatherings. I pray that you would prosper their business, bless them in every way, and uh, God, that you'd continue to work in us and through us. In your name we pray. Everybody say it a bit. Come on, we're going to shout out amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Pardon? You didn't press record? He's joking. He's joking. And then Jackie, if you could, come on, come on up here. We're going to pray. Stay standing. Stay standing. Okay, this is cool. Jackie, uh, as an extension of her, her workplace, um, she has connections with people all over the world and uh, connects with people on Zoom all the time. And one of her friends in here, I'll help you up. I'll help you up. One of her friends is in, in Turkey, and uh, uh, co-workers, they've become friends over Zoom, and uh, his brother right now is in the late stages of pancreatic cancer. Uh, he has children. They, they don't know what tomorrow looks like. Uh, he's also, he, he's, I imagine, in isolation by the looks of photos in, in hospital. Uh, it's not looking very hopeful. These people don't know Jesus. And uh, I just have faith today that God's going to touch him. I have faith today that God's going to meet with him. Do you know, uh, I, I would share my own, my own heritage. My great-grandfather came to Jesus when he was miraculously healed. He, had, he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. He was on his deathbed, and he cried out to God. He said, if you're real, heal me, not for me, but for my family, because they're not going to make it through the winter, the cold prairie winter without a dad. And that morning he woke up healed, and he said, I guess God's real, and we're a Christian family now. So I believe I believe in the power of healing. I believe that God can do it. And I, I just have got faith today that God will do it. Would you join me in faith? And I want to ask specifically, there's some people in the room, you've experienced uh, like a divine healing before. You've experienced a touch from God where you're like, undeniable, that wasn't just circumstance, that was God at work. Can you really join me in faith today? I don't know, Jackie, what you want to do with this video. Perhaps you want to share it with uh, Abbas, but we're going to pray together, okay? Can you pray with me, church? Come on, Jesus, right now in your name, I pray blessing over Abbas's brother as he's in hospital. I pray that you would touch his body right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, healing, virtue, flow through his body. I pray that cancer would be gone, that he would be healed and delivered and strengthened. I pray for his children and his children's children, for doctors and nurses and everyone involved, that we would stand back and see, surely Jesus Christ is Lord and he's powerful and he's willing and he's able, God, I thank you that we can cry out to you, that we're not abandoned, 
because you have power and you hear us. I pray today you would touch the, the, uh, the brother of Abbas and heal him. In your name we pray. And all God's church said amen. amen. Come on, let's praise God today. Awesome. Awesome. All right, you can take a seat. You know, we, uh, we don't just pray on a Sunday. Prayer is a lifestyle. It's a first response, and uh, we want to be people of prayer continually. It, it really helps when, uh, when people are open with the things they're going through. I don't know that's not a small ask. That's not a small ask. The easiest thing for us to do is to not be open. The easiest thing for us to do is to come into a gathering like this and be like, everything's good in my life. But there's something about vulnerability and openness. We have this opportunity to seek God's face together. And so if you have a need of any sort, like I said, please fill out a card on your way out today or send us an email to info at vivid.church. We're going to agree together in prayer for you. Awesome? Sound good? Hey, did you bring a Bible today? Me and Ryan Fallis have a Bible today. I'm telling you, where two or more Bibles are gathered, there God is with us. Do you have a Bible with you today? You got a phone with you today? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at a little bit of Bible today. And so you can, of course, look at the screen, but I think it might help you if you find it in your own Bible. Uh, there's uh, the opportunity to go back later and take some notes. How many note takers do we have in the place? We got any note takers here? Wow, there's a lot of note takers. If you're not a note taker, you might as well get in on the cool club. They all take notes. Look at the, the people around you, the coolest ones around. They're the ones that put up their hands saying they take some notes. Why do we take notes? A couple reasons. One, it helps us to focus in the moment. Uh, I mean, if I'm doing something uh, productive with my hands, it, it keeps me off Instagram at the very least and uh, helps me to take, take some notes. Why else? Because something's about to happen where God is, is going to speak and it's going to be for you. And, uh, man, this crazy guy up here on the microphone is just going to keep rattling off something else. And if you don't write it down, you might forget it. Have you ever had a great idea right before you fall asleep and you think, it's so good, I'll never forget this idea? You can't remember that happened because you forgot the idea. Right? How many, do you have anyone, like, you're dedicated enough to note-taking that you get up if you have a good idea in bed, you're like, I got to write that down. See why? I see you. I see you. That's why you got so many good ideas just flowing because all the good ideas happen at night. I want to encourage you today, maybe it's not been your practice, take notes today. Try taking notes today. And if you only take one sentence of notes down, then, then can I pick the sentence can I at least choose the sentence? You know, they say that, that uh, within the next two to three days, you will forget at least 95% of what I say, at least 95%. My only goal as a, a communicator, as a preacher, is not that I would uh, preach such a good message that you'd remember 100%. I just want to help choose the 5% you're going to remember. If I can do my job well, I'm helping you zone in on the 5% that's the most important. If you take no other sentence of notes today, write this down. I hope everyone writes it down in their notes app or on a notebook. Check this out. At the altar, we sacrifice what we value with our hearts surrendered in anticipation. Let me read it to you one more time. At the altar, we sacrifice what we value with our hearts surrendered in anticipation. Jesus, today as uh, we look to your word, pray that you'd speak to us about this very thing, the sacrifice that takes place at the altar of our lives. I pray that anticipation and surrender would become a normal place for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're in a series called Altars. Altars, this symbol used in Scripture some 433 different times. When, when the writers of Scripture talk about an altar. 
most of these times, there is a, a sacrificial portion to what takes place at an altar. That's the reason for which an altar is built. Last week, we talked about remembrance, how remembrance takes place at an altar. An altar acts as kind of a milestone. Do you know what a milestone is? Someone's like, a restaurant. That's kind of okay. No, no. Now, milestones. Do you know what a milestone actually is? Someone's like, yes, turning 30, 40, 60, 80. True. But an actual literal milestone was put on the side of a road after building a singular mile of that road. You would put a little stone that indicates you've gone one mile. And so you could keep track as you traveled how many milestones have I passed. In other words, how long have I, have I gone and how much further do I have yet to go? An altar acts as a milestone. It's an indication that there's still more in store. It's an indication that we are on a journey and we need to pause to recognize we've come a certain ways, but we're not finished yet. The fact that you're here today and that you got breath in your lungs is an indicator that you're not finished yet. You're not done yet. God's not done with you yet. But there is a milestone to be put on the side of the road of your life, and that's what an altar does. So we see all these different figures of faith throughout Scripture stopping to build an altar when something significant took place in their life because they're going, this is a milestone. I don't want to forget this day. How many people are, are good at remembering dates? Anybody here? You're good at, you, you are the, like, the anniversary keeper in your relationship. You're like, oh, this is the first time we had fries together. We're celebrating that day. Anybody? You're, you're, you're the date keeper. Anyone else? You, you have ever forgotten an important date? Anybody? You ever forgotten an important, important date? Like a friend's birthday, a family member, uh, maybe an anniversary, something like that. You got to keep better milestones. You got you to stop and notice. Have you ever been around that person that everything seems milestone worthy to them? Like, oh, we got to take this. We got to take this in. And they have to stop and they have to take a picture of everything. Yeah. Good for them. Good for them. Good for them. It'd be easy, easy to teach. They're, they're stopping to enact this process of building a little altar. I never want to forget this moment. I'm going to remember this moment. One could argue that they perhaps remember every moment equally, and so maybe they're missing some of the emphasis of how important that milestone is, but they're doing something to remember. Second thing that happens at an altar is what we want to talk about today. It's sacrifice. Sacrifice. Most often in Scripture, an altar is built not just because something great happened, but an acknowledgement of that great thing that took place, uh, a man or a woman of God saying, we got, we got to stop and honor God by, by letting go of what we value, surrendering to God, and saying thank you. There are, are all different types of sacrifices in Scripture. There's talk of like a, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. When you say, hey, I just want everybody to know, God and everyone around me, I'm so thankful for what God has done. There's a sacrifice made for guilt. I just want to acknowledge before God and everyone else, I'm not perfect. I've made, I've made some mistakes, but I'm repenting today. There, there's a sacrifice of fellowship. It's just like, hey, I just want to be nearer to God. I just, I just want us to be, to be tight. And so I want to do a little part to make a step and make a move towards him. What happens at an altar is not just remembrance and sacrifice, but because of those two things playing together, there's intimacy. There's a meeting with God that takes place. 
And so you see all these incredible breakthroughs in the lives of, uh, of people in Scripture. I've experienced them in my own life, those moments where you go, I'm never going to forget what God has done. I'm surrendering in response to it. And then you meet with God in a special way. It's like you lay down the barriers that, that get in the way, lay down the distractions, and you meet with God. And in that meeting, there is revelation for what comes next. You see, if, if you want to look a little bit at the cheat sheet, that's what we're talking about these weeks. We talked about remembrance last week. Today, we're talking about surrender. Next week, I would be willing to venture. We're going to talk about intimacy with God. And then the last week of this month, we're going to talk about revelation, God's will, uh, an opening up of his will in our lives for our future. If you remember last week, you looked at, at Romans 12, 1 and 2. You could turn there if you want in your Bible. You could jot down that note where it says this. I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, this is for all of us, in view of God's mercy, that's the remembrance piece, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's the sacrifice piece. Like, man, when I look at how good the Lord's been my whole life, I just want to honor him with my life. I don't, I don't want to be inauthentic. I don't want to be someone who's just religious and checking boxes of, of good deeds. I want to offer my whole life as a sacrifice. So this is a spiritual act of worship. It's true, proper, acceptable. God meets with you there. Because then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we make a sacrifice in our life, when we come to the altar of our life, we have, have an opening up of our eyes to revelation. But like I said, today we're talking about sacrifice. Most specifically, for those note takers, you already wrote it down. At the altar, we sacrifice what we value with our heart surrendered in anticipation. At the altar, we sacrifice. At the altar, we make a sacrifice. It would be wild for me to say, hey, let's build an altar as a church. We're not going to stack rocks up. But let's build an altar. Let's metaphorically stop and pause and consider the goodness of God. And it's just party time. It's just happy time. And then not also say, hey, we got to surrender something to the Lord. We have to sacrifice. Because at the altar, we sacrifice. And, and the thing about sacrifice is that it, it's a, a death to something. It's a letting go of something. It, it's kind of a, a crazy thing to, to talk about in a group setting right now. But when was the last time that you sacrificed? When was the last time that you said no to something that you wanted to say yes to? When was the last time you said, I value something else more than this thing that I really value? It might be that you sacrificed some time for a person who needed it. And you go, man, I, I really actually valued my time, but, but I, I love this relationship more. It might be that you, you sacrificed some finance for a, a need that you had. You go, man, I like my money, but I needed this thing. And so I made a value-based decision. When we sacrifice at the altar, we're making a value-based decision saying my relationship with God has preeminence over this thing that I place value on. This arbitrary thing that I'm holding so close, I'm letting go of this, putting it to death. The great thing about, about sacrifice is throughout scripture, we see most often in the Old Testament, a sacrifice is, is death to a particular type of, of animal. Now that, that you can just kind of do away with because in Jesus, there is a fulfillment of that sacrifice, okay? So at, at that point in time before Jesus, God just said this, when you sin, it costs something. Like sin actually has a, a price tag attached to it. 
God doesn't just wink at sin and go, oh, that was cute. I love you. I love you enough. And, and, and contrary to popular opinion where people might say, well, God's just, if he's so loving, he's just going to smile at everyone all the time and just kind of, you know, pat everyone on the head and, and his love will conquer all things. Well, well, sin has a price because the price is actually bloodshed. And so there was people who were like shepherds and they had sheep and then they acknowledged, man, I've, I've made some mistakes. And God's like, yeah, it's going to cost you something. Now, I love you, so it's not going to cost you your life, but it will cost you something. you got to take a, a lamb without defect and offer it as a sacrifice. Slaughter it. Cons- let it be consumed with fire. Some may think, well, that, that's just so crazy. It is kind of crazy. You know what's crazier, though? Is that Jesus then steps into that role as the lamb that was slain and takes on for us and all humanity the sins of the world. You might have seen a picture someday of Jesus, you know, stoically on a cross somewhere with a little smile on his face. You, you, might, you might wear a cross around your neck or see that symbol somewhere. It is symbolizing that altar that took place where Jesus, he became a sacrifice for us. Because the thing about a lamb or a dove or a, a bull it, is it was only temporary. It was until, until we meet again. That's enough for now. But how many people know that our own sin is pretty insatiable? We keep on keeping on. If we're one thing, we are persistent in our sin. I had a friend the other day, he said, man, it's pretty hilarious how sinful we are. I'm like, that's actually a good description. It is hilarious. It is, it is like there, there's no end to it when you stop and consider how quickly we can take on offense, how quickly we can take on pride, how quickly we can allow bitterness to rule our lives, how quickly something like comparison actually takes precedence over the voice of God in our life. That's crazy. And so the Bible says this of Jesus, that he became the sacrifice for our sin. Check this out, 1 John 2.2, real quick, 1 John 2.2. It says this, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sin, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's how perfect Jesus was, that at the altar, he could take on not only the sin for one person's mistake, but because of his perfection, he became the sacrifice for the sin of of humanity. In uh, Hebrews chapter 13, turn there real quick. Hebrews 13. I promise you we're getting to something here. Hebrews chapter 13. Check this out. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Uh, verse 15, I should say. It says this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly professes his name. And do not forget to do good, and to share with others. For with such sacrifice, God is pleased. Here's what it's saying. As Jesus, he made a sacrifice for us, and we have the opportunity to continually align ourselves with that sacrifice by professing his name. That's pretty awesome. That we actually come to that place of close, celebratory intimacy with God because of Jesus. It also means that we have the potential if we choose to, to kind of grow cold in that regard. Did Jesus still sacrifice for us? Yeah. But we're not in that place of pleasing God and walking in that sacrifice unless we're professing Jesus as Lord of our lives. Meaning that Jesus is so good, his sacrifice was big enough for all the sins of humanity, and some never profess his name. He still was willingly their sacrifice, but unless they profess the name of Jesus, say he's Lord of my life, they miss out 
on the, the atonement work that takes place. Isn't that crazy? How good is Jesus? At the altar we sacrifice. I, I have to highlight the imagery that took place in the Old Testament or else the, the, the emphasis kind of is missed on what Jesus did. He made a way for us to be right with God. Because of Jesus, the Bible says we stand confidently before the throne of grace. We don't have to cower before God saying, oh, you're perfect and I'm terrible. We actually can stand in the presence of God because of the work of Jesus. So the Bible says this, continually offer sacrifice. Continually align yourself with Jesus' willingness to cover over your sin. Don't try to fake it till you make it. Don't, don't try to re, uh, rewrite the book on what is and isn't sin. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So instead of trying to list your flaws and go, how can I rework this so none of these are flaws, so I can feel better about myself, instead acknowledge your shortcoming. And the fruit of your lips give him praise, and continually we offer that sacrifice. At the altar, we sacrifice. Second portion that we need to look at, we sacrifice what we value. We sacrifice what we value. This is so crucial. If we're going to live lives of sacrifice, we need to understand that sacrifice is linked to what we value. What is a sacrifice to you might come very naturally to me. What is a sacrifice to me might be laughable to you because it would, it would mean nothing to you. Is it, do you follow with what I'm saying? We sacrifice what we value. Some people, they place no value on a thing and therefore to let go of it is no real cost. doesn't matter. Have you ever had that person in your life, like, they really highly value uh, time? And so, honestly, like, if you're 33 seconds late for a gathering, they're like, come on, like, what are you trying to say about how much you value me? You're like, I'm just saying I'm bad at keeping time. They're like, no, 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 because they value time so much. It means something to them. And, and so it's a real sacrifice. It's a genuine sacrifice for them to, to allot a certain amount of time to something because their time matters so much. Have you been around the person who values money a lot? For them to open up their wallet and pay for something, it's like, whoa, it's crazy. Have you ever been the person who doesn't value money very much? It's just kind of, they're <laughs> right? They got no problem, but oh, I'll, yeah, no problem. I'll, t I'll, I'll tap. My turn. Always my turn. I'm good. It, it, it could be that they're overwhelmingly generous. It might just be that, that money is not a huge value to them, and so it's not an incredible sacrifice. But you know when the button is pushed in your own life, don't you? Like, let me ask you a question again. When was the last time you sacrificed? When was the last time that you made a genuine sacrifice? We sacrifice what we value. There is always value connected to it. Let me show you a few examples in Scripture. In, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, 24, David has sinned. Okay, David the king, who has a heart after God, he's an incredible leader, but he sinned. Even the, the mightiest among us fall. And his sin is this, it's just one of pride. Where he says to his commander, Joab, hey, can you go and count again just how big my kingdom is? I just, I like to hear it. Like, I like to know, again, how many people I'm in charge of. It kind of pumps my tires. And Joab goes, hey, David, you know that you're not uh, in authority because of how many people you're over, right? You know that you're actually in authority because of who you're under. And David's like, don't get all spiritual with me, Joab. I just want to know. By the way, that's how authority always works. 
Authority never is about how many people are under you. It's always about who you're under, always. And, and so David, he had lost this understanding. He was no longer professing God's my source. He's like, look at all these people. They're my source. And Joab said, I don't think we should do this. And David said, yeah, but you're not king. Bye. He's like, you go do the thing I, I told you. So Joab does it. And as a result, God's like, Joab was right, David. And there's a plague coming. I just want you to understand that your favor was never attached to how many people followed you. It's attached to the anointing I placed on your life. And if you can't acknowledge that, then just watch what happens. Like, watch what happens if I just pull my hand off, off your life for just a little bit. David immediately is repentant, because that's actually the sign of great leadership, by the way. It's not flawlessness. It's repentance. That's what gave David a heart after God, because he was quick to repent. And so he's like, God, what do I need to do? God says, hey, you need to build an altar. You need to build an altar and sacrifice. And so he comes to this, uh, this land where God is, goes, this is the spot to sacrifice. And in that specific land, it says, the king replied to Aruna, no, I insist on paying for it. Why? Because this guy Aruna is like, yeah, you're the king. Just take it. He goes, I want to build an altar here. He's like, awesome. You're, you're now the owner of this land. And if you want, take my animals, sacrifice my animals. And David goes, no, 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 no. I insist. I will pay. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God something that costs me nothing. Sacrifice is never something that costs us nothing. We sacrifice what we value. So let me ask you again, when was the last time you sacrificed? When was the last time you sacrificed? Truly something that you value. Something that, that you value. You might have gotten praise from somebody like, wow, it was so nice what you did. And you're like, honestly, it was no problem. It didn't cost me anything. Have you ever got uh, the credit for something that you didn't deserve? And someone's like, that's amazing. You're like, oh, thanks. But like, it didn't cost me anything. It was fine. We sacrifice what costs us. Look at another example in the book of uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah. This is not a, an offering made for sin. This is actually a, a, a sacrifice made uh, for fellowship. This is a sacrifice made where Elijah is wanting to show people how real God is. And so he, he's up against all these different prophets from other gods. And they're like, yeah, you're one of, you serve one of the gods, so do we. And he goes, well, let's, let's put it to the test. You build an altar, and we'll see if your God shows up and consumes it with fire. And then I'll do the same. And it, whoever's God shows up is the true God. Like whoever really has fellowship with their God, God will show up. You see, it's a different type of sacrifice, right? David was because of sin. In this instance, it's not, it's not a sacrifice of sin at all. It's the sacrifice of, of fellowship. And so they build an altar. It doesn't work. Elijah builds an altar, and before asking God to consume it with fire, he goes, I want you to go bring some water and pour it over the altar. And so they're pouring water over something that's about to burn. He goes, hey, do it again. And so they're doing it again. He goes, do it a third time. So they, they douse the sacrifice with water. Not because he had the insight on some new flammable properties of water, but because actually if you were to look, historically they were in the middle of a three-and-a-half-year drought. They hadn't had rain in three and a half years. The most valuable commodity in that time would have been water. And so Elijah said, if we're going to make this a real offering, this is going to be a real sacrifice, th this has to actually cost us something. Like a bull, we've we got, we got plenty of bulls. We have no water to sustain them. Killing this bull isn't costing me much, but water, that costs something. And so they bring water, they douse it, guess what? God shows up, consumes it with fire, and then know what? He pours rain on the land. And he restores the water to their land. Isn't that amazing? Had to cost something. Notice how it was a unique cost? 
for David, he said, no, I actually have to purchase the land because it has to cost me something. David didn't have to pour water on it because water wasn't valuable in that time. Elijah didn't have to buy the top of Mount Carmel because land was not the value at that time. Water was. There's nuance to it. And then let me show you this. Maybe the most profound picture of this is Genesis chapter 22. We see a picture of the love of a father. The picture uh, or the foreshadowing of a father willingly sacrificing his son. Here God comes through in a promise to, to Abraham. A promise that lasted multiple decades that he would have a son. He was, his wife was barren. They had no children. And God said, I'm going to make you the most amazing person of legacy. Look up at the stars. Count them if you can. That's how many kids you're going to have. Your children's children. Everything you touch will be blessed. Everyone your, your, your generation's blessed will be blessed. And the Bible says we are actually the children of Abraham, not through lineage, but through uh, uh, willingness to receive the grace of God, which is pretty awesome. And decades later, God finally comes through. The Bible says this, that Abraham at that time was about 100 years old, and his wife's body was nearly dead. That's like the most discreet, polite way to say she was real old, okay? For decade on decade on decade, they had every month going, no, not this month, no baby. They gave up. They were hopeless. But God always keeps his promises. And they finally have a son. His name's Isaac. Imagine how spoiled that kid was. His parents were also like his great-grandparents. <laughs> you know, grandparents always spoil the kids a little more. They, he had like three or four generations worth of spoiling coming. He was the oldest son, the only. He was so blessed. And God asks Abraham for this crazy thing. Now, God in his, in his wisdom is able to do so. He says of Abraham, I want you to take the son, your only son, your highest and greatest value, and I want you to to go up to the mountain and make a sacrifice, sacrifice your son. And Abraham's like, say, what? That's the only thing I value. Why would you ask me for the only thing I value? You're, the thing that you prompt, what? Why should I have to let go of the thing that you gave? It's your gift. But in his submission and surrender, he's like, okay. I, I, like, I guess I know the voice of God. So it says he and his son and their servant, they're walking across the land. They're making way to the base of the mountain. At the base of the mountain, the servant's like, hey, so I see the wood. That's going to be good and come in handy for building an altar. So you brought some fire. That's great because we don't have matches. So they brought like a torch or a flint maybe. That's going to be, be helpful. So you got a knife. That's going to help. For, hey, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham's kind of like, yeah, don't worry about it. God will provide. And they make their way up the mountain on a long, awkward time. Like, it's already got to kind of be awkward when your dad's over 100. <laughs> right? Communication might not be, hey, dad, what are you thinking? What? <laughs> I just asked what you're thinking. What? It's a long, quiet walk. They get to the top of the mountain. Abraham's, like, building an altar. Isaac's going, I've seen you do this before. I could help. He goes, yeah, sure, boy. <laughs> you can help. The thing you can help me most, I guess, is getting up on top of this thing. And I was like, okay, dad. <laughs> Wild story. It says that Abraham is like, like you're going to actually make me do this, eh? And so he gets out, and then, and then God sends an angel. He's like, don't touch the boy. I get it. You trust me. You're thankful. You love me. He goes, look over there in the bush. And they look over, and there's a ram stuck in a thicket. And he goes, that's what you need to sacrifice. And, and, and then it says, from that time on, it was said, on the mountain of the Lord, he will provide. God provides. You just need to see, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that there's a different 
connected value to each of these sacrifices because we can only sacrifice what we value. Imagine in the life of David, he sinned, and God's like, you've sinned. You need to make a sacrifice. He's like, all right, bring me my son. It's like, no, no, that's not what this story is about. Or in Elijah's case, if he's like, let me buy the mountain, and God's like, no, no, water is what you value right now. Or, or in Abraham's case, he's like, I know what I'll do. I'll just pour water on my son. God's like, no, no, I want you to offer what you value. So we can only sacrifice what we value. Let me ask you again, when was the last time you sacrificed? Truly. Number three, we value with our heart. What we value is connected to our heart, isn't it? It's connected to our passions. It's, connection, it's connected to our care. You've ever, have you ever heard the saying, do you know the value of a dollar? You know, that person, they finally learned the value of a dollar. The truth is, a dollar has a different value for every person. There's an objective value that it's worth, uh, you know, a couple of American cents. That's what our dollar is set at, so objectively. But sub- subjectively, there is different value to a dollar. A dollar means different things to different people. And it isn't just based on how much you have. It's based on the condition of your heart. Just different values. That, that's the easiest thing to look at value because it's money, but it's not the only thing that we value. Like, like for some, we value control a lot. And so to give up control in any aspect of our life is the most profound act of sacrifice that we've made. For some, we value freedom a lot. And so to give up even like the schedule of our life, it's like a huge sacrifice. It's why people talk about marriage and they're like, marriage is hard. It's not because everyone experiences the same thing in marriage, but everyone, if they're going to have a good marriage, has to experience a, a measure of sacrifice. And guess what? It's continuous. Sacrifice doesn't happen on, on, on your wedding day when you say, I do. It happens every single day when you say, I keep on doing. We, we sacrifice only what we value. So maybe the best way we could answer the question uh, of when we last sacri- like made a, a significant sacrifice is asking ourselves the question, what do we value? What do we value? When was the last time you made a sacrifice? I'm not saying when was the last time you, you gave uh, to some sort of charitable cause, necessarily. I'm not saying when was the last time you, you, you got up early to go serve somebody else, necessarily. It has to be linked to what you value. In fact, Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 21. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will follow also. There's actual heart connected to our treasure, to our value. How many sports fans in the room? Any sports fans? Come on, a couple sports fans. And, and are you a fan of the sport or, or also like a team within the sport? Just shout it out. You, you have a team that you follow? Anybody? You got a team? Your team? Okay. It's amazing. I, lo- I love talking with sports fans because sports fans have this ability to overvalue the commodities of their own team. You know what I'm talking about? The, the sports fans in the room you're following. You're like, they overvalue. They're like, but, but this, this conversation's happened. You've been in it. We're like, I can't stand that player. I don't want him anymore. But if one of the other teams would give up all of their good players for this one bad player, then it would be great to trade them. 
There's this weird value put on. You can't have it both ways. Right now, uh, my family and I, we have, with all the kids, we, we have a fantasy basketball league ongoing. And so we have the NBA league. We've all selected players. We're following their stats. And you make predictions based on what their stats will be. And I love talking trades with my kids. They're, they're always talking trades like, so, Dad, what if? And, and they put together some of the worst trade options you've ever heard of. Like, so I got two options here. Either I'm just going to cut this player because he's so bad, or I would be willing to trade him to you for your best player. Like, no, no, it doesn't work that way. Value, can't, can't, you can't just be flippant with value. The same is true of opinion. Have you, ever, have you ever had someone say to this, I really value your opinion? My answer in my head is always this, we'll see. Hey, can I get your insight on something? Because I really value opinion. We'll see. Not we'll see if I'll give my opinion. I'm happy to give it, but we'll see if you value it based on what you do with it. Have you ever had that person, they always want to know your opinion, they never do what you say? (laughs) And soon your opinion just starts being, you do you, bro. I'm like, thanks, thanks, that really helped because I really value your opinion. Right? Uh, our, Our sacrifice is connected to what we value, and what we value comes from our heart. It's a... like, I have never, maybe, uh, this is not maybe a forever thing, but so far I've never valued a vehicle that I drive. Like, like, I don't know that I've yet had a vehicle. I certainly have never had a vehicle that didn't have a CD player. Most of the vehicles I've owned still have cassette players, okay? <laughs> I, what I value about them is that w- we can all get in it, and by all I mean all eight of our kids, and that we can get from point A to point B. That's, that's where my value lies. I value it differently. A- as an extension of that, now I, I, I'm not going to be flippant with it, but if it gets a scratch on it, I care 0%. Because <laughs> it still has the ability to get me from A to B. It's just, I, I, I sacrifice what I value, and I value with my heart. My heart's intent in that is only to get from A to B. In fact, I, I commute on a motor scooter. And it, I, like, I picture you, the, uh, the circus music plays in most people's head as they watch me drive by. <laughs> like the Harlem Globetrotter music, something like that. But I don't care at all. Because it gets me from where I am to where I want to go. That's the value I place in it. There's other people, they value their vehicle a lot. Like, hey, just can you not look at it for too long? Because your eyesight might wear a hole. Please, you know, don't make direct eye contact with the vehicle, please. I just had it waxed. And you're like, cool. You just value it differently. Can I ask you again, like, when's the last time you truly sacrificed? The only way you could answer the question is linked to when you actually gave something that you valued. The only way you could ever answer that question is to figure out where, you, where your heart at, is at in proportion to that thing. Because our value comes from our heart. And then the last thing, if I could highlight today, well, about to come, come to a close is it says uh, in that statement I made this. When we sacrifice, our hearts are surrendered in anticipation. Sacrifice, yeah, it's, a, it's about death to something for sure. It's about letting, letting go of something, absolutely. It, it's about transfer of ownership. This is mine, but I let it go at the altar of my life. Not mine anymore. Have you ever been someone who, who gives you something and then they keep checking up on what you're doing with the thing they gave? It's like, you don't have ownership anymore. 
Like, hey, how's that shirt that I gave you five years ago? I don't know. It's in my closet. I wore it sometimes. Like, like it's not yours anymore. Or a person gives you something and then they still, they still use the word mine. Hey, how's, how's my phone working out for you there? Like, you gave it to me. It's my phone now. You know what I'm talking about? It's not just about letting go. It's not just about death to something. Sacrifice is about having a heart of surrendered anticipation. Like, like if the answer to the question, when's the last time you sacrificed, you're having a hard time thinking of it, for your sake, I hope that it's soon. I hope there's a sacrifice just on the horizon. Because when we sacrifice, we are embracing a, a posture of surrendered anticipation. Look what it says in Psalm chapter 5. Psalm chapter 5 and verse 3. I'll get there. So you got an electronic Bible. You better be able to get there faster than me. Psalm chapter 5 and verse 3. I love this. It says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you, and I wait expectantly. Expectation. I lay my requests. I sacrifice to you the ability to know exactly what the future holds. Because I don't know what the future holds, but I know you hold my future. And so I'm laying my requests before you. And then I'm waiting and watching expectantly. When was the last time you, you surrendered? When was the last time you sacrificed? It's always going to be connected to what you value. But you can only really have anticipatory hope if you surrender for the right things. Because for some, you're like, oh, man, I, I, yeah, I've sacrificed big time. I sacrificed for this friend who's just driving me crazy. And they kept driving me crazy. They kept demanding more of me. Well, guess what? They don't have the ability to supply for your needs. So, of course, you can't have anticipation. Like, here they are demanding more. That's actually not really sacrifice. Sacrifice is a willing letting go with anticipation. You can only really have anticipation if what you're sacrificing for is God. That's why in, in Hebrews it says this, let us continually offer to God sacrifice. The fruit of our lips giving him praise. Meaning that don't just give God lip service. If he's Lord, then he's Lord of all. That means obedience. That means surrender to our, uh, like I'm going to lay my own opinion down and say yes to what God says yes to. And then it goes on to this and says, Good acts and service to other people is a pleasing sacrifice to God. So I'm going to do what God's asking of me, and then I'm going to do the things I already know that God would want me to do, being kind to the people around me. Friends, when's the last time we sacrificed? What did we sacrifice for? Before we leave today, we're going to have a moment where we could make this our moment. I don't know when my last sacrifice was, but I don't know this is a moment of sacrifice. I can actually build an altar right here, an altar of worship, and the fruit of my lips could give God praise. What God's never looking for is just lip service. Jesus says this, acceptable worship to God is in spirit and in truth. Like it's the things I say that are true, but it's also a spiritual act of surrender.
So wherever you are, I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. If you don't know Jesus, maybe you've never, never said yes to his sacrifice, you read that scripture that says he's become the atoning sacrifice for all of us, but you've never accepted that for yourself, we're going to have a moment where you can do that. Nobody else is looking around, but you can actually in this moment make that decision and say, okay, God, you're Lord of my life. If you do, there's no magic words to it, but it, it has to include your act of repentance. You can't say, good news for you, God, I'm coming home. Like, it has to be repentance. I'm actually saying no to myself and yes to you. And then you also need to know that you're, what you're receiving is just grace. It's not earned, okay? So we'll have a moment. That might be the moment for some people. But for others in the room, I believe when the Bible says God is asking us to continually sacrifice, there is something for you to lay down today. Don't know what it is because it's linked to your value. Often in church, things can get weird when the communicator assumes that everyone shares the same value. Because I value this, you should too. God's going to speak to you today. Probably it will look like having to let go of some control in an area that you prefer to control. Probably if you were going to surrender to God today and what you value is money, there probably has to be some generosity that follows. And if what you value is time, there probably has to be some willingness to serve. And if what you value is, is you know, the opinions of others, it probably needs to be from God from now on, I'm going to trust what you say about me and, and take my weight off of this. But I just want you to know, whoever you are, God actually speaks to you too. You might think, oh, God, God's a, a talker, I guess, to people who are learned or pastors or priests or some sort of pedigree. No, God speaks to you too. And surrender to him is a saying yes to him. So God, right now across this room, I'm praying for every person, everyone who can hear my voice right now, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts about surrender. At the altar, we sacrifice what we value with a heart surrendered in anticipation. For some, what you're speaking to them about is a painful step of obedience that they need to take. that would shift the trajectory of their future. But if you're Lord and we're surrendered, then we, we say yes to that. For some, what you're, you're speaking to is like the one area we just don't want to trust you with. We're happy to trust you with every other thing, but not that. And yet we acknowledge that you're speaking. Like David, we can't give what cost us nothing. Like Elijah, we can't, we can't give without being willing to let go of the thing of highest value. But like Abraham, I, I want to learn from him because he walked up that mountain with confidence knowing God will provide. He will provide. He's always been good. He will provide. The Apostle Paul would indicate that Abraham already anticipated the resurrection power of God. He goes, whatever happens, I know God will provide. There's anticipation. So God, speak to our hearts today. And we want to say yes to you.
And if you feel like God's speaking to you, the band's going to lead in this simple course we sang before. And if you feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready now. God's speaking to me. I'm actually doing something with it. I would encourage you as they lead, you can stand to your feet. The, the words are really simple. I surrender. I surrender because I want to know you more. Like I want the intimate connection that comes on the other side of sacrifice. So as God's speaking to you, you can make this your own moment of worship, your own moment of surrender. The thing is, no one's going to come check up on you and say, well, so did you sacrifice the thing you said you would? But there's some accountability that comes from God's spirit. He's speaking to you right now. So if you're saying yes to him, then let's make this a moment of worship. And I surrender. I surrender. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I surrender. I surrender. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. And I surrender. surrender. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I surrender. I surrender. I want to know you I want to know you more Like a rushing wind Jesus breathe within Lord have your way Lord have your way in me Like a Thank you, God. One more time. 
and I surrender. I surrender. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. If you're standing on your feet, I just want to speak to you for a moment. We're going to wrap up this service in about 45 seconds. Just check this out. For every person who's ever built an altar, it made little to no sense to anyone else around. For David to be like, no, I'm, I want to pay. The guy's like, dude, I already gave it to you. He's like, no, no, I have to pay, okay? He's like, whatever. I guess. Made no sense. To the people, Elijah's going, go pour water. They're like, water? Like, has the sun got to your mind, Elijah? Water doesn't burn. He's like, I know what I said. Made no sense to them. For the servant going, hey, Abraham, I know you're like 113 now. You forgot the sacrifice. Like it made no sense. And probably what God's speaking to you will not make sense to everyone in your world. But that doesn't mean God's not speaking to you. And, and probably for most of us, maybe not all, but for most of us, standing up on your feet right now was not the sacrifice God is asking of you. There's a follow-up to actually do it. It's easy when other people stand up like, I'm going to stand up too. I want to know God more, and that comes on the other side of sacrifice. So if you took notes and you wrote down the one, that one sentence, awesome. I want to encourage you, write down a second sentence, just the thing that God is asking of you, and then don't stop until you do it. And in a day or a week or a month, if someone was like, when's the last time you sacrificed? You could be like, oh, I, I remember exactly. I wrote it down. I wrote down the date. God, that spoke to me about this. And at the altar, I sacrifice what I value with my heart surrendered in anticipation. God, I pray today as we go forward and we actually put into obedience what you're speaking to us to, that we would be relentless with obedience, that we would be nearly reckless in the way that we would obey because we value you more than anything. You are Lord of our life. The fruit of our lips giving you praise continually because you made a sacrifice sufficient for all our eternity. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, I love you so much. Grateful that we get to be uh, a church together and get to do this thing together. If there's any way we can encourage you, please let us know. We'd love to pray with you. In fact, some of our team's just going to linger up front here. Maybe you say, I need some prayer for something specific. They're going to be up here near the front and would love to pray with you. Maybe even over on the side where it's a little quieter. And uh, if you were here for the first time today, please don't stop without letting us know. Just let us record your visit. Hey, I was here. We have actually a gift we'd love to put in, our, in your hand. And so if you would, that'd be amazing. We want to bless you with something today. Love you guys. Have the best week. And we'll see you next week. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.